Welcome to the Bayzat podcast, everybody. This is Ayman, your chief people officer at Bayzat. Uh, anyone tuning in from the outside, uh, Bayzat is an employee benefits company that's on a constant mission to make a world-class employee experience accessible to everyone. So basically, I got inspired for this podcast post-COVID, um, and the main intention here is to scale meaningful conversations. And we can do that by inspiring people, helping whoever with little nuggets of information or inspiration uh, by speaking to key people throughout the organization. This podcast is also going to be available uh, for anyone outside of Bayzat. We're going to be covering topics ranging from mindset, well-being, resilience, performance, to culture, empowerment, coaching, you name it. So I've decided for the first episode to bring on Sif. And Sif is part of our customer success team. And he's renowned for his ability to constantly smash it in his role and do whatever it takes to get shit done. Excuse the French guys, but getting shit done is one of our principles at Bayzat, so I say it proudly. So Sif, for the sake of everyone at Bayzat as well as outside, why don't you just tell everyone what you do at Bayzat and uh, where you add value to the company? Hey guys, uh, as Eamon said, my name is Saif. Uh, I initially joined, in fact, as a junior customer success manager at Bayzat. I've uh, come a long way since then. Um, started off with just managing, um, you know, customer accounts. Um, there's a huge difference between customer success and customer service, right? So customer service is where you try to rectify an issue or come up with a solution after a customer's already had a problem versus customer success, where you proactively make sure those problems don't occur in the first place based on um, you know, previous experiences, past experiences. So that's where we come in um, to basically identify uh, these patterns of issues that have been um, happening over a period of time um, and make sure that they don't happen in the future. Uh, keep the customer happy. Of course, customers always come first. Um, and um, of course, you know, like bring in a hell of a lot of revenue so that we can raise Series C for Bezat. Were you surprised when I asked you to join this first episode, this trial? Let's call it a trial. Of yeah, I was. Bezat. Really? I, I was surprised. I was like, um, why me? And why am I the first person? Um, I mean, because I know in general, I can, I can converse well in casual conversation, et cetera, but then, uh, I'm not the best uh, presenter, uh, as I've, I've been told before as well, I'm not the best, uh, presenter, but, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was a bit surprised. I even spoke to Brian about it just, you know, briefly, uh, really? yesterday. Yeah. I j just not yesterday, actually just today, because, uh, I was like, maybe I need to come up with some talking points. I don't know. No. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, but then you mentioned that it's going to be, you know, like a casual conversation. So yeah, I was looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Like I said, you've been renowned to be consistent um, and an exceptional performer. So uh, first question, I'm just curious, how do you keep going every day? How do you maintain that consistency? What stops you from taking your foot off the pedal and be like, ah, I mean, so for me, if to answer this question, I actually have to go a little further back, um, you know, take you down memory lane uh, from the time I graduated, right? So, I mean, I had these periods of lows um, where, you know, I just kind of got beat down and I got sick of getting beat down. And I realized the only way to, um, you know, stay ahead of the game is just to, you know, always stay ahead of your shit, like on top of everything, uh, 
every day is just like Talal says, I love that saying, every day is day zero. You wake up in the morning, what happened yesterday just doesn't matter. Absolutely. You had a shit day yesterday, doesn't matter. Wake up today, you just start fresh and you just keep going. That's so, beautiful on paper, right? That's 100%. Amazing. So let me give you an example. Yeah. Now, let me give you an example um, uh, for what I was saying. So back right after I graduated from university, me and my brother, we decided to start a company, right? So we ran that company for about two years. I put all my savings that I had from, uh, you know, I worked promotion jobs, et cetera, during um, my university time. And um, so I saved about, I think, I don't know, like maybe 12,000 dirhams. It wasn't much. We liked to party a lot. So, you know, a lot of the money used to go back then. <laughs> but yeah, whatever I did have, you know, we decided to put it in and then we started. What was this company, company just out of curiosity? The, the company was called Hammerheads. It was a marketplace for maintenance and uh, contracting services. And back in 2016, there was actually a huge gap in the market for it. There was a huge need for it, um, you know, uh, especially in terms of communication between um, customers and, uh, you know, these service providers. So, so we decided, we, we thought about this idea for, for, you know, at least maybe eight months prior to actually starting it. And um, yeah, so we decided, you know what, I graduated now. I don't have any senior design project. It's all done, all good to go. So let's just go ahead with it. So yeah, we, we went ahead with this um, in the first two years. We, from that $3,000 investment, roughly, we generated over two hundred to $250,000 in revenue in the first two years. We were pretty close to securing uh, funding from actually a few investors. And this is what our main goal was. Within the first two years, we wanted to secure uh, funding so that um, you know, we could scale. Scaling is the most important thing in order to grow fast, especially in this uh, fast-paced industry uh, in tech. So what happened was just you know, around the time of closing, um, Amazon had come into the marketplace and that, that was around the time they purchased Souk and they had a very similar model uh, in terms of the business that what we were doing, which in fact they launched after us. So all of the investors pulled out and then it was just kind of a depressing time for me um, personally. And uh, we decided to, you know, sell the company and move on to other things because we decided that we're going to give it two years. If it doesn't work out, we did have other commitments, of course. So, you know, we decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to move on to other things. So that kind of kept me down for a long time. And in between that transition period from, uh, from 2016 to 2018. So after 2018, there was a period of like a few months where I absolutely did nothing. I, I think I was more afraid um, to take on the next challenge uh, because I was afraid to fail. Maybe, I don't know what it was exactly, but um, that was definitely, I think, uh, one of the main factors. Um, so what I did was I had the luxury and the ability to actually join my dad's company because, you know, I was afraid to go to anything else. I'd never worked for anyone before. I jumped right into, you know, this company, this venture. So uh, I was pretty much afraid. So I started working in my dad's company, but as time went by, even though this was a luxury to have, it was not my kind of environment. It was a very slow paced, old school environment, been around for 35, 40 years. So I realized that this is, you know, this is not it for me. So, I mean, I just came to a realization, okay, fine. You know, I'm going to turn, you know, one of my passions into, um, in, into, into my next project, you know, my next baby, basically. So back then there was this game Fortnite. I used to love Fortnite in uh, 2017. I was like a huge Huge fan. Used to play it all the time. Um, that's in fact what I, you know, spent those four months after we sold our company. So it, so basically, they had a hundred million players playing at the time, 
And I decided to, you know, venture out into the esports industry where it would be like a pay to play type of tournament. And within the first month, we actually had over 3000 uh, registrations. But unfortunately, like in the UAE, that was considered uh, some sort of gambling and they would refuse to license it. And they said that, you know, any kind of uh, that type of esports will end up getting blocked out. So within about three to four months, we had to, you know, I had to drop that venture. That was my own personal venture, actually, at the time. So that was my second beatdown in less than a year. You know, so I was I was feeling pretty depressed. And um, it, it, it really sometimes maybe you, you just need to come to self-realization. You just need time uh, to, you know, to pick yourself up again. But sometimes you just need someone to, someone to talk to and someone to talk some sense into. I was wasting a lot of my time not doing much. Um, I was I was getting laid back. I was slacking at work. I wasn't motivated. It wasn't me. It wasn't the me that people knew. It wasn't the always, me my brother knew. Were you always yeah, that sorry, go-getter, right. even at school, early life? Were you always that guy who aimed to smash? Yeah. Smash out of yeah. The so even back in school, for example, I'll tell you one of these one of the businesses that I had in school. It was a very small and silly one, but uh, if, if, if you know if that's what we're going to talk about, um, so. There was this phase back in high school where everyone used to play around with paper pellets, like folded paper pellets and rubber bands. So, you know, it becomes like a small catapult and you just smack each other with it. So around the entire school, people were running around and like they just carried a bunch of pellets and rubber bands. So what I started doing was customize these pellets and I just make a bunch of them at home and I started selling them at packs. So like, you know, 10 rubber bands and 10 pellets for like 10 dirhams. How old were you? <laughs> How old were you? I don't know, maybe like 14, 13, something oh like that. God. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, you could say I've always kind of had that hustling uh, mentality. Um, I mean, the, the one person who always told me that was my brother, my eldest brother. Um, so he, he always said, you know, you've just got this hustling mentality. Whatever you want, you can, do it. You can go do it. And you had so, that belief in yourself as well, right? So I'm guessing for someone who leaves school, finish university and, and start their own startup, it's pretty ballsy, right? Yeah. For sure. I, I was definitely afraid, but, uh, you know, just dove in head first. That's it. So it's interesting. You had that confidence and that entrepreneurial spirit and you got shot down twice. Mm -hmm. How the heck do you recover from something like that? And what goes through your head when you're shot down? So the main thing was, um, for me, my all of a sudden it's like your future just becomes uncertain, right? So um, I live in a joint family, all right? Um, out of all my brothers and sisters, uh, I was the only one that actually studied here. So everyone else went abroad. I wasn't the brightest kid in class. I wasn't the, the A grade student, but I was the hard worker, you could say. Um, but everyone else within my family, they were, you know, like straight A's. Um, when it comes to when it comes to grade, grades and, you know, book wise, book smart, they, they all had it. I, I wasn't that kid. Um, so by the time, you know, like I had my second venture failed and I, I was the only one in the family business, uh, everyone else was, you know, already working in, you know, different aspects of their life. So my sister, she pursued art and she had her own successful art business. Um, two of my brothers were, uh, consultants at PwC. Um, one of my brothers was, um, uh, senior product manager at Kareem. Uh, so, you know, different things like so when I when I look around when I look around me I see a lot of successful people who are doing well um, and you know accomplishing their goals and I'm just you know kind of sat here um, it was kind of 
a low point in my life. And that was one of the, you know, major obstacles that I had to come over. It, it took a few months, but it also took a few talks. This is what I was talking about. Sometimes it takes time to come to a self-realization or you just need someone to talk to. And my brother and my girlfriend at the time, you know, were um, those people for me. Okay. When you were at that, that depth of, let's call it rock bottom for the sake of simplicity, mm -hmm. it's something I'm curious about. And I see every day, right? Um, mm -hmm. people might fail, not view that failure as uh, learning opportunities because they find a way to justify that failure and externalize it. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Did you do that? And if so, how did you overcome that? Of course. So, I mean, it's it's a human tendency to do this, right? Just as you mentioned. So, um, for example, the entire my company failing, for example, even when I would talk to people about it, I would completely blame it on just just on uh, Amazon coming into the market. I wouldn't, I, I didn't blame it on, you know, other things that I could have done, like, you know, personal mistakes. Of course, we made mistakes. We're not, we're not perfect. Um, like as well as we think we did. Um, of course, there were the things that I know that I realized at a later, later stage that I could have done better. But until I, you know, kind of accomplished the next thing or the next goal in my life where I was kind of complacent, I wasn't able to come to terms with the fact that, you know, I mean, I'm also, you know, to blame uh, for my past failures. It's, you can't, everything is not external. The moment you can learn to accept that, um, that's when you can actually proceed and move forward in life because otherwise you're constantly going to be blaming all your failures on other people. You're not going to be able to uh, take responsibility for your own actions. So, um, I mean, it, it just happens as you start accomplishing more things because you start learning, you start growing. Dude, for someone your age to have gone through all of that, that's pretty impressive. You know. Thank you. Make as many. I mean, I still haven't done much in my eyes. As fast <laughs> as possible, and and I'm sure a lot of that uh, translated to you where you are today at, at Bayzat. I'm, I'm pretty positive. Um, for sure, hundred percent. And if you hadn't gone through those dips, where do you think you'd be today? If I hadn't gone through those dips, I honestly, I couldn't tell you uh, because I feel like every experience in my life has shaped me to become who I am now. So without those experiences, good or bad, I honestly don't know. I couldn't tell you who I'd be. Every single person is going to be a completely different person without the different experiences in their life. It's going to be almost impossible for me to tell you. But here's what I can tell you. Um, you know, back in university, for example, um, I used to party a lot. You know, so of course it's university, you're going to party, you're going to enjoy. Um, and it, it kind of did uh, carry on uh, forward when, for example, uh, my when the first company failed, I started going back to that. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, so initially, if, for example, if that had if that had never failed, of course, and if we were secured funding, this is going to be a completely different conversation. I might not even be here. God knows where we are, right? But um, I could have gone down a bad path, you know, if these experiences didn't shape me to become who I am, uh, because I did have some rough times in my life. Uh, but thankfully, I did have the people around me to talk some sense into me, give me that motivation, made help me find that edge again, you know, to go out to hustle, uh, to try to motivate other people, and just you know, be me um, and and not slack uh, in life in general. So, and do people so, yeah. kind of gravitate towards you in that sense? For guidance and for motivation 
do you inspire yes that i i did find that i did find that happening uh at a later stage um because so i mean it's about the values you live by right so so first two values like for me i would i would i would say generosity and honesty you know if you if you're true to yourself um you know you you get you you uh, get what you give you know I, i'm a true believer of that so and if you're true to yourself you're um you know just in general life not from a business perspective um it's just more fulfilling i can't really i'm not the best person to describe this but uh i know i know exactly how it feels uh, if if you understand what I'm talking about, so that's um, your work as well. Uh, the more you put it, hundred percent, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So, in general, even without people asking, I would generally try to give advice, like you know, from my standpoint, not as uh, you know, not to be uh, dominating over anyone else's opinion or something like that. Just you know, from a just from being helpful standpoint. I would try to help as much as I could. So when when that happened, moving forward, I saw that you know people started actually coming to me for advice, and then it started becoming on uh, on on bigger things and bigger things that had you know more impact. Like that particular decision would have a much larger impact on their life. Then it, it became like, whoa, okay, fine. Uh, first of all, it, it start it, it makes you start asking questions like, are you equipped to give this advice? Number one, and number two, um, when you do give it just be true to your thoughts, you know, like how you feel and do it to genuinely help the person. That's it. Don't do it to um, make sure that you stay ahead of this person. For example, like if they're already doing better than you no and you know, yeah. no, exactly. No hidden yeah. agenda. Exactly. That's perfectly yeah. put. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, so when you joined by that, were you very specific on what you wanted as a next step in your career? Did you handpick Bayzat? Did it come as a coincidence? Um, how did you take that decision to make Bayzat your, ne your next destination, your next home? Right. So, um, as I told you, that was again when I when I find that was finally when I you know picked myself up and started disciplining myself in a way. Okay. So I was like, all right, I made a decision to leave my dad's company. End of. Uh, December 2018 I said okay that I'm gonna venture out onto my own I'm gonna I think it's time for me to learn I've had two failed uh, two failed ventures and now before I move on to my next thing I I think I need I have a lot to grow and learn so that's the first thing that I embraced then um, I just started taking different courses online uh, applying to different roles see what sticks and then you know try to just at least try to get an in um, I think the, the the role I actually applied for was a sales development analyst as an entry level, you know, position. So uh, Kritika called me at the time, and uh, she Kritika even asked me, like, you know, an ex recruiter at Bayzat, yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kritika is an ex recruiter, exactly. Yeah. So uh, she called me and she she asked me, like, you know, uh, with your experience, why are you applying for an entry level job first of all? And she was um, asking me to join the um, the TSM team at the time, technology sales manager team. So, I mean, I, I had specifically mentioned that um, sales is, I mean, like sales is a part of every business. Yes, 100%, but it's not the part of the business that I wanted to be um, a part of at the time. I it was more, uh, even in the company that I'd started, it was all about operations for me, operational procedures, uh, grow, analytics, um, you know, uh, things like that, growth and analytics. So um, I asked her, what do you have available, you know, on that front? 
Then she brought up uh, the customer success team. It seemed like a good place to start and had a lot of growth potential. Um, I had my first meeting with Brian, loved that, uh, that interview. I think it went quite well. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, from, from there on out, I think everything worked out the way it was supposed to. Um, I mean, till date, I have, you know, conversations with Brian about, you know, my future. I feel like if you don't talk uh, to your manager or, you know, whoever uh, you work with your team about what you want to be doing, um, you, you're not, you're not going to get there. Um, if you're very complacent in what you do, um, you're not growing, uh, you're not embracing new challenges, um, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get to where you want to be uh, just by thinking about it. That's very so, true, but it's also very difficult to implement uh, in a lot of companies, right? There's a lot of bureaucracy, mm -hmm. red tape. Um, so having that kind of openness, transparency, those kinds of conversations is not always, you know, uh, an option, which takes me to my next question. Uh, where does culture, the Bayzat culture in, in specific, uh, come into play? So if, if, if you were in another company with, you know, a completely opposite kind of cultural dimension, would you be performing at the level you are today? Right. So I think 100% uh, culture plays a super important role, uh, especially for me, because when I mentioned um, being, a, being able to talk to your leaders, um, about you know where you want to get to and things of that sort. I already knew that in a corporate culture, for example, uh, this is this is just not really going to happen. Uh, I know my brothers work in a corporate culture. I know how cutthroat it is. Uh, people are just out to get ahead. Um, it's it's a very fake uh, environment. Even when COVID went down, it was very difficult for me because I'm someone who feeds off the energy of my team. I like to be very yeah. lively, keep yeah. everyone alive. Uh, you know. Just feed off that energy for my personal motivation and just keep things going. So I used to have the time of my life at the office. And that's one of the values I live by, fun. It's a very simple value, but, um, you know, it's if you don't have fun in everything you do, why are you doing it? You know, then, then you're doing it for the sake of doing it because you have to do it. I don't know. I, I like to do things because I have fun with it. Um, so culture for me plays a super important role. Um, because it gives you that, I mean, especially Bezat's culture, gives you that openness. Um, it's welcoming. It allow it, it makes people feel comfortable, like it's a, it's a family. It's not just, you know, you, you don't have to be afraid to talk to anyone. I mean, for example, if I want to go talk to Talal, shoot him a message right now and say, yeah, let's have a chat. It's, it's all good. So that's the kind of culture, you know, that I love. And for me, that's super important. So awesome, man. So your leader speaks extremely highly of you, right? Um, Appreciate it. Let's turn it around a bit. Let's speak about Brian. So Brian's our CMO for anyone, CMO and head of customer success. <laughs> um, so what are the key things that Brian does that allows you to have that kind of transparency and openness? And what kind of little nuggets can other leaders take away and uh, be inspired by? So for me, the best thing about Brian is he lets you run wild with your imaginations. You know, if, if you want to implement a new idea, he's not going to shoot it down. He's going to give you his thoughts about it, but you want to run with it, run with it. You come back with results, let's do it. It's it's like implement fast, fail fast. You know, if it's going to fail, it's going to fail, but let's implement it, um, that kind of mentality. Um, and, you know, there's there's always an openness, just like, I, I mean, just like most people uh, within the company to come to uh, talk to is uh, very open about everything. Uh, especially, you know, within our team. Um, 
and uh, of course you know team drinks brian is a heavy <laughs> drinker <laughs> that's a whole other vibe when you <laughs> when you go out with brian but uh yeah man i mean like the, for me the most important thing uh that brian lets us do is just do whatever like implement whatever you want he gives you the freedom to work within your space um there's no nothing gets you know imposed on you um there, there's no i mean of course there's some things that you just have to do because it's, it's part of your job it's part of the role of let's say being a customer success manager but for example i wanted to start doing uh thing like additional things on looker this was way before you know like everyone started doing uh things on looker it's like yeah run with it go sit with Rajat, learn about it and then now i mean i try to handle as many you know like uh, business analytics insights etc you know for the team uh but that's because brian allowed me to to run with that um changing the entire training format from you know doing one hour drives half an hour drives back and forth to clients to online webinars yes let's run with that um so he really gives me the the freedom to really implement my ideas and that definitely helps me grow because I am not um, I'm not hiding underneath my cocoon, you know, not just managing well, yeah, my customers. Yeah, more accountable what I'm supposed because it's yours, right? Exactly, it's mine. Yeah. So if it doesn't work, that's that's on me. But yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And you you mentioned COVID. Uh, it's been 18 months, man. 18 yeah. fucking months. A very long time. It affected a lot of people, right? And I'm sure someone with your personality, your uh, the way you engage people and the way you talk and, and you feed off people's energy, like you said, mm-hmm. how did you cope with that? Uh, you know, what was the journey like and where are you today? So initially it was kind of, so it was a mix, right? So in the beginning it was like, oh, this is such a change. I don't have to go to the office. Uh, it was kind of weird. Okay. So started getting a bit lazy, a little bit, just, just for like a week or two there, right in the beginning. It was, uh, so started waking up exactly like 15 minutes before meeting times and uh you know things like that in the morning which is oh not a good God. thing do not follow that as an example please so i mean because it was it was like i had nothing to look forward to you know what i mean it's like get up get on the laptop and just start working uh where i slept was where i worked so there was no change of environment so it it kind of made it dull for a long time so to overcome that, what we did was when the offices at least reopened, even though there was no one going to the offices, a group of us, um, like some of the members that I was actually onboarded with within the company and um, from the from the CS team, Hamza, um, et cetera. So we just decided, you know what, let's, let's all go into the office and start working from there. So we actually did that for like three to four months. It was just us at the office, a group of like five, six of us. This, this was so, when exactly, do you recall? How long had you it been was, at home before you decided to go back to the office i would say about two months complete so during the lockdown we were completely inside and i think yeah. maybe a month after so maybe three months i could uh, or could have even been four i'm not did entirely you reach sure. a point I get the where you got right. comfortable with your setup at home and just became a, root, a convenience routine where no 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 not at all for, for me i i could not work at home because so not there, there's two reasons uh for that there's a lot of distractions at home um and uh, i prefer to you know when you when you're at the office it's a working environment uh you're focused but at the same time you got to have fun with your colleagues so you know it's like you know just some small banter going around while working at the same time is a healthy environment for me because it's a constant uh, uh balance of work and play 
Um, so, but at home, it, I, it really felt like work, 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 work. Or then I decide, okay, I'm going to take a break now. Then I'd go on to YouTube. Now that break would end up becoming a little longer than what it's supposed to. So then it's again, back to work, 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 work. And then once I'm done with work, where am I? I'm still where I'm working. Um, so it's, so it just wasn't the right environment. And what about, you know, today? I mean, you're back into your routine and everything's great. What daily rituals do you have or daily habits or routines that are vital, absolutely important for you to operate at an extremely high level? Do you exercise? Do you have certain routines outside of work that help um, with, with your performance at work? Right. So I try to have a routine as much as I can. I'm not saying I follow this every single day. I do fall off on the weekends sometimes, depending on the nights. Uh, but see, my body clock has pretty much been trained. Um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to say I wake up at 5am or like Talal, uh, but uh, I, I do wake up by like seven, my body clock will automatically just, you know, my eyes will wake up, no alarm needed, nothing. I would love to get a workout in in the morning, but then instead I generally prefer to have a good hearty breakfast and just catch up on the day, just, you know, ease into the day to start off. Then mm. by the time it's time for work, I just, you know, uh, jump into my uh, emails. Work is work in general. I, I don't really have much of a routine, like, you know, in how I do things. Um, I have a certain structure, yes, but of course that's going to vary depending on the tasks that you have to follow for uh, what you do. But the main thing is definitely workout, I would say. Um, the days I don't work out, I get extremely dull. I feel like I, uh, I feel like I have accomplished nothing today because I missed a session at the gym. So uh, definitely working out. In fact, some, for some people say it makes them tired. I, I, I think it's the opposite. If you're consistently working out and it becomes part of your routine, you're so much more energetic on a day-to-day -day basis. You feel healthy. You feel good. You look good. Um, it just adds up to everything uh, on top. So for me, the primary uh, thing is gym. And I try to eat as healthy as possible, not completely healthy, not saying go on a restricted diet or something like that. But I just try to eat good, clean food. That's it. Uh, yeah. Stay away from, you know, the fast foods, which make you feel really dull and low. Yeah. So I, I, I'm with you on the exercise thing, right? And I, I found that when I'm part of a class or a community or some sort of sport, I, I'm, there's more accountability there. I'm, I'm more likely to go. Uh, mm -hmm. COVID messed that up for me big yes. time. Um, and it's been, I've been going back, but it's been on and off. It's been mm -hmm. difficult. I'm trying to stick to it at least five times a week. Um, but when you do go, you feel really good, right? So, I feel great, man. And every yeah. time I go and I feel great, I'm like, why do, why do I skip? Why do, why do I skip? <laughs> um, but shit happens. We all know that. But surprisingly, there's some people who've never had that feeling, that euphoric feeling post-gym. They simply haven't, don't really work out. Mm -hmm. How do I explain that to these people? How would you explain that feeling and that feeling of accomplishment to people who don't really work out? So this is a very tricky situation, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I try to, I even try to motivate my brother to go constantly to the gym. Um, uh, I mean, because he used to go like all the time and he just fell off the wagon. Now he's just completely lazy. Uh, he keeps blaming it on age, but then I'm like, come on, man. You can't really blame it on age. I show him all these old guys that are doing, doing like, you know, muscle ups. He's like 34 I'm, years old. I'm, oh my God. I didn't <laughs> ask how old he was. Okay. Yeah. 34? Yeah. Oh my God. Bring him on, man. Bring him on. <laughs> what is 34? 
and he's blaming it on age. Hey man, you know Brian does uh, the same thing. By the way, Brian does the same thing. I'm gonna. I'm, I, I keep telling Brian hit the gym. He's like, no man, I'm getting old. I'm getting too old. <laughs> oh, I'm older than Brian, man. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I, I never felt my age ever until COVID. You wish you could be 34, huh? Until COVID, I never felt my age until yeah. COVID. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm back on on track now. Inshallah. But yeah, I'd like to, you know, boost that and uh, bring everyone alive through exercise, man. Faizat, I just... I mean, I think what would be cool, we used to have these, you know, running clubs and we used to play football quite often. We had basketball clubs, uh, et cetera. So, I mean, like, you know, it did get a lot of, what I saw, at least it got a lot of people who never used to do things like this. It did get them involved. So if, you know, there was somewhere to start, I would say, you know, bring back those running clubs that Ian and Ben used to run um, around Bezat. Would you join uh, that during this time of COVID and whatnot? If you went to football or basketball or running, would, would you go? I mean... I go to the I go to the gym anyway. I go swimming. Uh, I mean, I, I I can't join running now because I actually fractured and tore my Achilles, fractured my ankle and tore my Achilles in December. So I'm unable to do that kind of activity. But I still go to the gym, and I, that's why I, I go swimming now. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I'd be interested. Like in the future, in the next few months, hopefully, once I'm recovered, I would definitely join. I used to I used to go running with uh, Ian and Ben quite often back then. Um, and we had a lot of new joiners who never used to do things like this before because friends motivate friends. Oh, we're doing it as a group. All right, let's go. And then maybe you find a passion for something you never knew you had. Um, yes. So because a lot of people are just complacent with, you know, how they are because they've never experienced it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And what advice would you have for new joiners? Just on that note, uh, we have a lot of new joiners at Bezat. Some of them barely go to the office, don't really know people. They don't know how to interact, how to behave, what the culture is really, truly like at Baizat. It's a special place. We can't deny that. Mm-hmm. 100%. What advice would you have for these guys? So, I mean, for the new joiners specifically, um, I guess I would say reach out to your team members for, like, it doesn't have to be just for help, right? It can be just a chat. Because everyone in Bezat is super welcoming. No one is standoffish. No one is going to tell you off or, you know, it's just out for themselves. Um, you, you can simply just shoot them a Slack message if you're not, you know, meeting them at the office. Uh, if you are going to the office, of course, I mean, then you already know what the culture is like at Bezat. It's kind of like a, kind of like a market at times. Everyone is just, you know, talking amongst each other. It doesn't, doesn't matter which department. Um, you know, it can be CS with the CM team. It can be CS with the AM team. It doesn't really matter. Everyone pretty much gels within the company. So, uh, you know, reach out to your, your mates, your colleagues, uh, uh, you know, just you can start up a casual conversation. If you're looking for advice, you can talk to your team leaders at any time. Um, I mean, yeah, it all starts with you just taking that first step uh, of reaching out to them, talking to them, and then that turns into something. Uh, but that's definitely, I would say, is a starting point. That's how yeah. it went for me, at least, when I joined. Yeah, yeah, it, it's awkward. There was one point a few weeks ago, I went to the office, and I didn't recognize someone. <laughs> and that's when you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Where yeah, that, that, that happened to me a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Thank you okay. so much. Uh, I hope... Uh, People could take something away from this. Do you have anything you want to add? Anything you want to ask me? Anything you're curious about? Any feedback for me? Let's do it. Uh, feedback Love wise, it. not really, man. I mean, I wanted to congratulate you on your on your on your podcast, uh, the UFC 
podcast that you had uh, going on. Um, Brian, Brian speaks very highly about it. I, I mean, I haven't heard any of it yet because I think it's all in Arabic, right? It's all in Arabic. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brian spoke highly of it. He doesn't speak Arabic. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, but he just said that they're killing it, and you guys are in yeah. touch with Conor McGregor's manager, and you know all the all those things. So yeah. big things happening for you. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, so yeah. you know, congrats on that. Um, you Honestly, know, hope, that that gig was uh, something I did during COVID. It allowed me to indulge in something I really enjoy in my spare time, and. It allowed me to practice view my strengths. Mm -hmm. um, and it also inspired me to do this here, right? I picked up a skill, an ability, and I was like, let's uh, make use of it as, as that as well. Yep. Um, That's so awesome. yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful that I took that leap of faith. Yeah, for sure, man. It paid off. It was a lot of fun uh, being on this first episode. Uh, looking forward to another one in the future, for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sif. Thanks for having me, Eamon. Probably have another one of these in a couple of months. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Looking forward to it, man. Yeah, take care, dude. All right, take it easy.